What's up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. You know, it's not often that something happens and you can sense right away that you are watching history develop in real time. But such is the case this past weekend and, and ongoing this week. You know, if you think back to when we were kids, you can you can remember those you know seminal moments and and historical uh, occurrences that happened in in our lifetime, and you and you knew right away that you were watching something that was significant. Then you think back to you know the Iranian hostages being released, you know the Miracle on Ice, President Reagan being shot, you know the fall of the Berlin Wall, and so on. And you just knew right away that 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 the story was happening, that was going to be in the history books. Right, our kids would read about it, they'd study it, they would ask us questions about it. And you knew that this was was something that was really, really significant. Well, obviously, this past weekend, we saw in rapid succession the fall of Afghanistan. We saw the takeover of the country in just a mere matter of days. The Taliban sweeps through the country and takes control. Now, how could this be? You know, it's it, it. First of all, it's a it's a very sobering reminder of how fragile and how precarious freedom can be. Right, we're just in a blink of an eye, in a matter of of days, after a series of events, it can just evaporate that fast. And unfortunately, I think we've also seen in the past few days an ex- a sad example of American weakness. Now. Afghanistan. What was going on there? Well, first things first, I think it's safe to admit, and I, I don't think you would find a lot of disagreement at, at this point, but 20 years down the road, we can look back and, and, and come to an agreement that we really shouldn't, shouldn't be there. Now, I'm going to, in full disclosure, be uh, contradicting myself a bit, but, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I, I didn't necessarily feel that same way. You know, it was right after the 9-11 attacks. And there was this fear and, and sometimes overt threats uh, against the United States from all these different terror organizations. And Afghanistan being one, we're harboring these groups. Tr- uh, groups are training there. Um, bin Laden was given you know, refuge there. And at the time, it made a lot of sense that, that that was a threat to our security. It was after the in light of the attacks that that threat needed to be stopped. In particular, the the radical Taliban regime in Afghanistan needed to be disposed from power or deposed from power, and and something else needed to need to be put up in its place. That's at least what what the narrative was twenty years ago, and and one at the time that I didn't necessarily disagree with. However, the after after the the country fell quite quite quickly, and the Taliban did you know proved not to be too much of a um, too much of resistance to the, the American might. They fell from an operational standpoint pretty fast. You know, they retreated to the hills, and you know, they they still recruited, they still maintained some level of order, but by and large, you know, at least their their reign uh, in the country, their rule in the country was was over. Problem is that obviously the country at least wasn't ready or wasn't willing to put up a 
a form of government that would render radical groups like the Taliban uh, irrelevant. And over the course of time, my mind started to change. You know, I did, again, 20 years ago, I thought it was it was a, a good idea. You know, we needed to prevent per, further attacks. We needed to you know, strengthen our our security. Um, but again, we did, we had no really clear exit strategy. You know, then we it became a, a prolonged effort of nation building, and it became very clear. And and the question wondered why we are we trying to bring democracy to a country and to a people who either didn't seem to want it or didn't seem to have or obviously didn't have experience with it and didn't seem to have the will to build it up and sustain it. And ultimately I came to change my mind and and come to an understanding that this notion of bringing democracy or a democratic form of government to, you know, countries around the world was kind of an outdated 20th century idea. You know, it, it, it may have been relevant post-World War II. It may have been relevant during the Cold War. But in certain areas of the country, or country, in certain areas of the world, and in the modern uh, political climate, in certain cultures, it just, that didn't hold weight anymore. It wasn't relevant anymore. Um, and it... My, I began to think more and more that we we really just had no business there. Certainly, no business as an occupying force. So now, on the flip side, though, you, it makes you wonder. I mean, again, I I don't think that we as, as a country should operate any longer as the world's police. You know, I just I just don't think that's necessary. It's too expensive. It's money we don't have. Um, it's too much blood and treasure. You know, I'm, I'm not willing to risk the lives of our military men and women to you know, you know, fight off threats that is you know, not appreciated really anywhere in the world. You know, I, I just that, that that just would really gall me, you know, that, you know, we're putting these lives at risk. And the only thing we got in return was scorn, anger, uh, resentment. Um, I, just, I just didn't understand it. So there was part of me that thought, well, let's just get out of there. I mean, screw these guys. They're just going to hate us for, you know, we're trying to do the right thing, trying to keep you know, these countries secure, these regions secure, and they're just going to hate us for it. You know, screw you guys. Let's get out of there. But I, I do think it's a, it's a fair counter argument, though, then if that's the case, and if you know, the threat of you know, the American military is no longer there. It's no longer in the country. It's no longer in a region. Does that thing create a power vacuum? You know, I mean, how how do we stave off despots around the world? I think we're gonna we're on the cusp of looking at what happens when that threat of the U.S. military and and the threat of the American people is no longer there. But I mean, this has been going on for twenty years. You know, and we're extending now into the fourth presidency. You know, two Republican uh, administrations, two Democrat administrations. We were still there, you know. I'd, I and I, I just find it really hard to come up with any sound argument of why we should be there. I think you could make an argument that it makes sense to at least have some kind of operational uh, support for the Afghani government and you know, have a, you know, a base there or whatever, and not be any 
running any uh, any missions there necessarily, but just to be there as a support and a deterrence. You can, you can maybe, I could listen to that. I, I might be swayed by that type of an argument. Because, again, I do wonder what, what kind of power vacuum that's going to create once we're no longer there. But to his credit, you know, Donald Trump, when he was president, was very much against our presence in Afghanistan. In fact, Donald Trump was the only president in our lifetime who did not start or escalate any war, any conflict around the globe. And in particular, he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Now, of course, you know, Trump being Trump and the administration being what it was, they were mocked and ridiculed all along the way. You know, they were mocked for meeting or being willing to meet with and negotiate with the Taliban. And, you know, they, that was that was told us to, at the time that it was weak, that it was it was not appropriate, and it showed that he was he was all for show or whatever, whatever cock and bull. Uh, uh, narrative they they came up with, but for all his faults and for all of his mean tweets and and his rude behavior, you know, he he did try to do the right thing, and he had had some level of negotiations and and set some timeline to withdraw by March thirty first of this year. Well, obviously, you know, it's not March thirty first; it's well after that, and we were still there. And you know, why was that? Why was that? Well, Joe Biden coming into Office, you know, he you know, he had his uh, his presidential orders in in tow and was summarily undoing everything that that his predecessor had done. One of which was to not abide by the March thirty first deadline, and he you know he came up with with this idea that we were going to be pulling out by the twentieth anniversary of the September eleventh attacks. I don't know if it was largely symbolic, if he thought there'd be some kind of attaboy for that. But but when I heard it, to be honest, I that was actually one of the things I was in agreement with Joe Biden with. I thought, well, good. We should be pulling out of there. I mean, that sounds like a good idea. I don't want to be in there forever. I don't want to be putting American lives at risk forever. Yeah, we probably should be out of there. Well, what happened in the meantime? You know, to hear the military experts and generals describe it. Uh, it, pushing that date back, you know, the six months or however long it was, gave the Taliban the time to plan and and ready for their advance. And in that, in the meantime, in the you know four or five months since March, we obviously were not ready to withdraw. You know, we we were obviously not operationally. Ready, even if 9/11 was supposed to be the date, clearly we weren't ready to go because this took everybody by surprise. We were not ready to go. I mean, first and foremost, I think it's obvious to, to see that we should not have abandoned the Bagram Air Force Base. If you've seen the footage or pictures of the amount of weapons, the cache of, of weapons and mortars and fighter jets that are now in the hands of our enemies. I mean, it's enough to just enrage you. I am so spit rage and mad about this. I, I, I can hardly think straight watching all this stuff go down. It was just all seems so unnecessary. It's so freaking incompetent. I just, I, I can't even stand it. But that fool pushed back the date and in, in, in doing so, he didn't even bother 
to get ready. We were caught flat-footed, and they still, within a matter of days, ran roughshod through the country and took control. They didn't have us ready. Um, it's, it's just stunning. I mean, even just the pure cost alone of what is now in the hands of our enemies, much less the the ability for them to use it against us and our allies. It's it's just sinful. I I, I, I can't even... I, it's hard for me to express exactly how enraging that is. And just wonder, how were they so unprepared? How were they caught so flat-footed for this? I mean, their response was so slow, so weak, so arrogant, so much hubris to think that we could just bat our eyes and just walk out of there and everyone would pat us on the back and think it was great. It's even more enraging when you hear that, that, uh, that top generals are at odds with, with Biden's description on, on how it happened and how we were prepared. In fact, they, they were saying that in many cases, you know, they had given full warning of, of what could happen and how quickly um, th- this, could, uh, this could degrade, and he just ignored them. In fact, I, I found this one report interesting. It says the top president's top generals, including chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Army General Mark Milley, urged Mr. Biden to keep a force of about 2,500 troops, the size he inherited, while seeking a peace agreement between warring Afghan factions to help maintain stability. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who previously served as a military commander in the region, said a full withdrawal wouldn't provide any insurance against instability. In a series of meetings leading up to his decision, military and intelligence officials told Mr. Biden that security was deteriorating in Afghanistan, and they expressed concerns both about the capabilities of the Afghan military and the Taliban's likely ability to take over major Afghan cities. Other advisors, including Secretary of State Anthony Bilkin, and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan raised the possibility of Taliban attacks on U.S. forces and diplomats, as well as Afghans who for two decades worked alongside them. Ultimately, neither disagreed with the president knowing where he stood. So they knew that his mind was made up. Despite their protests, despite their advising to the contrary, they knew that he had already made up his mind and he was going, going to do it. And in so doing, he left thousands of lives at risk. I mean, thousands of Americans who are there now can't get out. Tens of thousands of people who worked with us for 20 years, interpreters and and other assets, are now desperate to get out and can't because the the city's been overrun, the the uh, the airport's been taken. And they can't get out. I mean, this is this makes the Iranian hostage crisis look like a joke. I mean, that was 52 Americans in the in the embassy. This is thousands of American lives, thousands of American resources, tens of thousands of our our allies and those who worked with us there. Just flapping in the breeze. I mean, he's he's evacuated several hundred out of those thousands. I mean, it's just inconscionable I, I it, it blows my mind and then it's even more galling when you see as this was burning down that fool was on vacation you know they they loved to criticize 
Donald Trump for uh, for his vacationing and for his golfing and this that they they seem to forget how much golfing freaking President Hope and Change did during his administration. They totally overlooked that, but they they would criticize Trump like crazy. But here in the midst of a crisis, that fool was on vacation. Jen Psaki goes on vacation, and they wonder, well, wh- when are we going to get an update? When are the American people getting an update for it? Crickets, crickets. In fact, in response to it. They tried to do a little bit of damage control and say and indicate that you know the president is at Camp David and he's fully engaged on it. And they put these pictures out on Twitter of Joe Biden sitting alone at a table with you know, with his security staff on on Zoom and t- talking through it. Except now, if, again, if, who knows if those were, were genuine? But knowing who they are, I think the benefit of the doubt is is not. Uh, afforded to them, but these in, in one picture, Biden's wearing a you know blue polo shirt, and the other he's wearing a suit. The clocks on the wall of Camp David um, had differing times between like L- London and Moscow, where normally it's like a three-hour difference, but between daylight savings it's two. But on the wall in these pictures is three-hour difference. So either those clocks had never been changed, or that was taken prior to March. And they were just wagging the dog, putting that out there as though that was going to put our fears at bay. But no, 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 no. He was he was on vacation, couldn't be bothered, and it was just an absolute joke. And then then when they finally do have a press press conference, that walking fossil comes out and it's just and is defiant as ever. In fact, he shifted blame. He blamed Trump. He blamed the Republicans. Of course, it's never his fault. Although he said, you know, the buck stops here, and then proceeded to pass blame on to anybody and everybody. It's, it's an absolute show. It's insanity. And yeah, but here we are. Here we are. And we're watching history unfold. We're watching this country crumble. We're watching our credibility to be shot. I mean, you think about what happens at or happened in Iran, right, in 1979 when you know we'd promised the the uh the people in charge that the American people had their back. We were there for them. And when they need us the most, we cut and ran. You know, and another feckless Democrat president, right? Jimmy Carter just up and ran. And in fact, in, in defiance of him, you know, they, they didn't release those hostages until Ronald Reagan had been inaugurated. And I'm just thumbing their nose at a, at a weak, feckless Democrat president. Well, here we are again. And unfortunately, that's what we voted for. That's what we elected. That's what we put in office. And this, it's, a, it's a clear example of how elections have consequences. You know, just like here in Chicago, you put Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox in power. They, they refuse to prosecute violent criminals. And lo and behold, there's a lot of crime on the, on the streets. There are people who are, are killing cops because they weren't, uh, weren't kept uh, in, incarcerated and they weren't prosecuted for violent crimes. And they come out of doing it and they, and they kill a cop with a newborn. Likewise, here in the international stage, you know, and this is a guy who, in the first press conference, Jen Psaki said that his his first love is is foreign policy. Where he, this so this should be right in his wheelhouse, and just out of pure arrogance and pure hubris, he allows this to happen. I mean, it's just he's an absolute freaking joke. And I wish, I wish against everything that that the you know, Republicans at large could actually supply and provide a useful alternative but for most of them they can't i mean ron DeSantis seems like he he's you know promising and there are some others but 
most of them, I mean, Mitch, is Mitch McConnell gonna gonna stand up stand up to this fool? Is he gonna do the right thing? Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. I mean, is uh, Lindsey Graham gonna be the one to stand up for it? I mean, he has you know on 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 some in some cases, but what Adam Kinzinger? Is that freaking tool gonna do do something and and stand up for? It? No, he's just gonna he's just gonna bow down. He's gonna want to make nice. He's gonna want to make make friends and not stand for principles. I mean, they're an absolute joke. Doesn't matter what capital letter they have behind their name. There's a few exceptions, but they're all, they're all a freaking joke. And that's and that's what we're seeing now. I I, I just I, I am so beside myself with this story. And I, you think about the thousands of people who are now suffering and who are now. And are now going to be tortured and killed over this. And there are already stories of of the Taliban running roughshod through these cities and villages, and you know they're seeking out anybody who assisted the Americans over the past twenty years, and they know who they are. You know they know who the translators are. They know who our assets are, and they're going in and they're pulling them out. They're killing them. They're raping their women. They're just doing whatever they want, and it's cool. And, you know, but, but the good thing is though, I mean, if, when you really want to put it all in context, the good thing on, on their Twitter account, the embassy of, of Kabul, Afghanistan on June 1st had a post of a rainbow flag being flown above the embassy, the U S embassy in, in Kabul, Afghanistan, with a, a very nice sentiment about how, you know, we're, we're standing for all people and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, at least there's that. At least they were recognizing Pride Month, you know, because I'm sure the Taliban, as they are murdering and raping across the country, that they are going to be cool with those principles. I'm sure they are. In fact, they you know, they were being you know, pled with by you know to to you know, keep uh, keep uh, you know, preserving you know, women's rights. You know, please you know, keep doing that. And, and they said, oh yeah, sure, yeah, sure, we will. And meanwhile, today they shot and killed a woman on the street because she did not wear hijab. So there you go. That's uh, that's what we're dealing with here. Um, but I, again, if we're, if we're still looking for optimism, you know, I, I did see this very, very encouraging picture of a, a Taliban uh, fighter. Um, with rounding up women and children up against a a building's wall, and and on the side of this wall was was painted this very very colorful graphic from the UN um, with their sustainable development goals, and uh, you, know, the, you know from one through twelve as far as you can see, although thirteen to eighteen looks like are on the bottom row. Can't see them because people are in the way, but. It's very nice graphic um, talking about the you know the sustainability and, and and the goals of the UN as these women and children are at gunpoint against this wall. So that's that's what we're looking at, you know. And and you have, you have people who are fleeing for their lives, who are who are fleeing to the uh, to the uh, to the airport, and who have been just sprinting after airplanes trying to find any way where they can get out and you know, you've had people or I think they even said there are kids or teenagers who were grasping on the sides of airplanes as they took off and falling and plummeting to their deaths because they would rather risk hanging on the wing of an airplane on the side of an airplane than remain in Afghanistan and and have the the rule of the Taliban on them 
I mean, they, they knew that was certain death, so they might as well roll the dice, right? And meanwhile, our administration and the, and the woke army on Twitter are all cool with it. You know, they're, they're blaming Trump. They're blaming anybody else. I mean, they have absolutely no soul. They have absolutely no humanity. If that's what your reaction to this, if it isn't horror in the loss of humanity and the absolute suffering that is happening to these people, yeah, I mean, they just have no soul. It just, it, it, it kills me. I mean, and it's, it's so much history repeating ourselves. I mean, we as Gen Xers have seen this before. You know, and not just the, the hostage crisis in, in Iran in 1979, but March 30th, 1975, there were those sobering images of the, the um, fleeing of, of Vietnam and the Chinook helicopters landing on top of the embassy and, and pe- escorting people out. And then you had that same image out of Kabul, Afghanistan, this Chinook helicopter landing on top of the embassy to chopper people out. And in fact, when you looked at these pictures side by side, it was, you were hard pressed to tell which one was which. I mean, history is, it's repeating itself. It's, it's scary, it's sad, and it's infuriating. And it's so freaking unnecessary. I mean, we're, we're in like day 210 of this administration. And this is, what, this is what we've already experienced thus far. Not just the swift fall of Afghanistan, but runaway gas prices, inflation, uh, mass unemployment still, returning of of mask mandates and mask pa- and and vaccine uh, passports and that's what we're, that's where we're in 210 days. Holy crap! What's the rest of the of, of the of the term going to look like? I mean, if they, if they kick that fool to the curb, what's Kama going to do anything better? I mean, she's more incompetent than she, than he is, and he's senile in '82. <sighs> uh, I'm just, I'm not optimistic. On this, I mean, normally we Gen Xers let this stuff roll off our backs. We can just shrug and roll our eyes and say, oh, whatever, whatever. Here's another international crisis, whatever. You know, here's more fighting overseas, whatever. This one, I, 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 my whatever is, is spent. I just don't have it in me. But it'll be interesting to see what impact this will have what, when, as this continues to progress and the American people digest this, what is the fallout going to be? I mean, even in a few days, Biden's approval is already tanked. You know, he's he's now below water in his approval ratings. And I think I even saw that one in ten Democrats have are, have said that they regret their vote in 2020. To be fair, we all regret their vote in 2020. And but at some point, that's going to have consequences. And you got to think that the Democrat Democrat. Uh, the literati have got to be sweating. They have to know that this makes them look bad. Even if Nancy Pelosi can try to spin and, and do the best she can to to work damage control, at some point this is going to going to hurt them and hurt them bad. But I mean, is the damage going to be done by then? Is it going to be way too much? Is we're going to have such out of control inflation and and unemployment that I mean, it's not going to work? I don't know. And again, I'm not saying we should we should have been staying there. I'm not saying we should have stayed there indefinitely. But the way that he did it, it was so incompetent. It was so full of hubris. It's just a joke. I mean, they were even saying that when when Trump was negotiating that March 34th March 31st deadline, that in that he said, "Well, when we evacuate, 
if you harm so much as one American life or one life of our friends, you will have the full weight and might of the U.S. military behind us, and they, they will come after you. And they took that serious, obviously. But with Biden, there, there was not that threat. They were not worried about that. I mean, here's, here's a dude who cuts off the, the, uh, the pipeline here in, in the U.S., and now, months later, he's begging OPEC to increase production. What does OPEC do? Eh, thank you, but no thank you. I mean, we were a next net exporter of oil. And in a few, in 210 days, we're begging OPEC to boost production. I mean, that's where we are. <sighs> I don't know. I, I'm just so, so defeated today. I mean, hopefully it, things can turn around. I, it's, I'm, I'm really worried for those, those people who are over there. You know, I'm worried about, you know, people who have fought over in Afghanistan and they have people they care about there who are desperate to try to help them get out and, and they're fearing the worst. But that's where we are. So hopefully things turn around. Hopefully it gets better. Um, I don't know. That's all, all we can do is just, just hope for, for improvements here and hope things aren't as dire as they feel while we're watching history evolve in real time. So with that, I'm going to hang my head a bit, take my sip of water, and uh, get back to work and get ready to help my kids start their school year and and uh, we will see you next time uh, shout out to the those 52 iranian hostages and we'll talk to you next time stay cool gen x